Episode 26 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles. You become the inspiration. Alright guys, welcome along to episode 26 of Fitness Behaviour, your monthly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness and all the benefits that come alongside that. Well, it's uh, heading into Christmas time here in New Zealand, or everywhere in the world obviously, but we've got about a week to go before Christmas and uh, it's my year's wrapping up and I've been telling people in the fitness industry, or at least my experience of the fitness industry, that uh, for us our year isn't one of those, or this time in the year isn't one of those times of the year where things get busy. Now I'm obviously talking probably to New Zealand because it's summer here and we tend to go into our holiday season and for a lot of industries leading up to Christmas they get really really busy until that last moment before they finish work. Whereas in the fitness industry, well again my experience of it is that kind of really end of November things start to slow down so I'm kind of getting into my slower period within the year and it's, it's actually quite nice because it means you can kind of catch up on a few things and you know kind of get some of those big, bigger projects kind of underway so it's, a, it's one of those moments within the year as well where you do a bit of reflection about your year looking back and I'm sure you know you see with the blogs and all that what were the best movies what were the biggest moments you know what were the biggest sporting things and we do that kind of reflection looking back and then we kind of do that forward thinking about well what does 2013 bring for us you know in our lives and our experience of this world we live in and uh yeah it's been it's been I'm not really going to go too much in my experience here. It's been, you know, I kind of live a good life and I've had a pretty good year and some cool things have happened, which is really great. And uh, for me, 2013 seems pretty exciting because, well, I've just got some really cool things coming up. You know, I've, I've talked to you guys about writing a book and, uh, and I'm kind of about probably a third of the way through that. Uh, my business is going really well and we're looking about taking that further. And, and I, th- I think this may be just before I get into today's show is... Um, one thing that a lot of people do is that when they try to grow something, they always try to grow it based on their skills. And it's, you know, that no one ever does it to my standard. You see that in small business. A lot of people who are in small business kind of say that, you know, like, you know, no one ever does it to my standard. So I have to do it all myself. And it was a bit of a trap that I got into when I first started doing my business is that I kind of felt I had to do everything. And it wasn't that I felt no one could do my standard. It's just that... I don't know, I just kind of felt I should do it all. And over the last 18 months, I've really kind of got into that, that thinking of how do you leverage other people's time so you can have a bigger impact on your world. And um, over the last 18 months, I've stepped away from a lot of the roles I have within my business. Uh, we've employed, you know, my partner Jo, she's come into the business a lot more and we've employed an admin person got a lot more coaches working for us and all this type of stuff. And uh, it's been really interesting because as those people have come in and supported the work that I was doing to this point, suddenly I have more time to be able to do stuff that has a bigger impact on, you know, the work that I, you know, the bigger picture stuff that I'm doing. So, for example, with my business, you know, in the past, I kind of did everything. And while I, there was value in me doing some things, there was a lot of things within that that were just, A, I wasn't that good at, and B, someone else could be a lot better at and it was a better use of my time and their time. And it's been interesting as I looked at what I've done over the last 18 months, 
I've really got to that point where I've been able to leverage that as other people in a way that's been really effective for our business, but also where I can sit in a place and do some of these bigger picture things, which, you know, seem to have a bigger impact on whatever it is that we're trying to create with the business. And, you know, even me writing a book that allowing myself to let go of some of those other things has been really, really massive and allowing myself to have the time to do some things that, you know, for a long time, I kind of knew I wanted to do, but I never had the time to do it. So... Once again, I've started the show just with an inner experience about my world at the moment. But, you know, just I suppose as we look through to, or at least as I look forward to 2013, I'm really fascinated to see um, how this more time availability, what I can do with that and, you know, and how I can tap into that in different ways and, you know, have more impact with that. So there you go. Um, this month's show, this month's show is, uh, to be honest, next month's show I'll be putting a lot of work into. Um, I got an email, a very, very honest email from someone um, basically suffering from food addiction and uh, and being quite raw and honest about their experience with food addiction. I got that about a month ago and uh, it, was a, it was a subject that, you know, they wrote with such honesty and, uh, and they've given me permission to talk about it on the show and um, next month's show I'm going to actually do, I've been doing a lot of research on the topic and I'm really trying to come up with a show that will be quite effective and to be honest I'm actually trying to get some interviews for the show with some leaders and thinking in that area so I kind of really been putting a lot of energy into that and that show was always going to take a little bit more time to create to get it right so in doing that for this month's show and being the end of the end of the year I kind of wow I wouldn't say I'm doing a wing it show but I kind of am doing a bit of a wing it show and it's a topic that um that I think you may enjoy and it's one that's really close to home for me especially with some stuff that's been happening within the sporting world in this last kind of 12 months and so um instead of me teasing you about it I'll get into it in a couple of seconds just uh on that front if you do have any feedback for the show remember you can always email me my email address is bevanjames at gmail.com and if you've got any questions or anything that's all good I'll actually go over a couple of your questions at the end of the show so I'll, I'll, I'll stop waffling now and I'll get on and get into the show I remember it was oh, I'd probably been teaching at the gym maybe a year or two this is probably I don't know, 1999, I started teaching, so probably around, somewhere around 2000, 2001, 2002, somewhere around that period, and a guy called Trevor, who uh, came to my classes all the time, Trevor is, uh, how would I describe Trevor, he's, he's uh, probably mid-40s, um, but a guy who's always, just looks like he's always fit, even in his mid-40s, just looks like a strong, strong man, and uh, the kind of guy who comes to his year class not to muck around, he's there to beat himself up, and he absolutely wants to destroy himself in his workout, and uh, and Trevor was, you know, like he was kind of one of those instructors. Like as an instructor, one of my biggest strengths is the fact that I work really hard as an instructor. You know, I've got my weaknesses, but one of the things that I do well is, you know, when I stand in front of a group, I try to push myself to my max. And Trevor's kind of one of those guys who respected an instructor like that. And if he saw an instructor who didn't beat themselves up, he'd kind of let you know about it. And uh, so he was, he was always a bit of a character to have in the class. And he came up to me one day after class, and he said to me, you need to read this book. And uh, and 
he gave me this book and you know at this stage in my life reading was something that I did a little bit of not a huge amount but I was kind of getting more into more reading and so I got this book and it was called what's the name of the book it's not about the bike by Lance Armstrong and I took the book home and uh you know at that time when I would read a book it, you know it was kind of a nightly thing would take me forever and I, I picked up this book and suddenly I was in a place where I was consumed by this this character I'd never even heard of, this guy called Lance Armstrong, who, you know, as I read the book and, you know, read the book and kind of got all inspired about his story, you know, I learned of the cancer, I learned of what he overcome to be who he was, and, you know, and this story, this this phenomenal inspirational story around this this human who seemed, you know, unwieldy-like, you know, to overcome such adversity and and one is one thing but to to do that and then go on to win you know arguably the hardest endurance sporting race in the world you know it was it was pretty phenomenal and so I was very inspired by that book and and I don't know if I would say that Lance Armstrong's book was what got me into Ironman triathlon and, and you know in um 100% but I do think that he has to or at least that book has to take some credit for my desire to seek what endurance sport could offer me. And so, um, like pretty much everyone else in the endurance sport world, and what was really interesting at that time is you look at cycling as a sport at that time, like in my local city, no one had road bikes. Road bikes were, you know, it was a bit of a niche thing back in the early 2000s and the ni- you know, late 90s. Mountain bikes was what everyone had. And over the, you know, Lance's influence on, you know, cycling as a whole was massive. You know, within a very short period of time, mountain bikes became, well, I wouldn't say the second tier thing, but on par with road bikes and road cycling became this massive sport. And for me, that led towards doing Ironman triathlon and, like everyone, I, I followed his career. I wasn't—I I wouldn't say I was an anal follower of his career. I kind of followed it by the side. I read the second book and I, I read a couple of other books, but I wasn't one of those people who watched the Tour de France every year and all the rest of it. But you know, I was always pretty fascinated to see the success that Scott had. Now, looking back and what we know now, it's pretty obvious that this guy was cheating. You know, it's—it's it's been proven now. It's been—he's been convicted. Well. You know, like the, the charges against him have now kind of set in place, and he didn't. He's decided not to dispute them. So, and uh, like most people within my world, at least, um, you know, a lot of people have read Tyler Hamilton books, and a lot of people have read a lot of the stuff out there on what Lance was doing to give himself the best performance ever possible. Around you know the last six months, you know, since since it became clear that Lance really was you know a cheat. Uh, you know, I got a lot of questions around what were my views on Lance becoming a cheat. And, you know, like, uh, I really struggled with how to respond to that question because um, because a lot of people would come up with arguments, um, you know, saying that, that, well, that was the sport. And, um, you know, he was just the best person at playing the game within the rules that was happening within that sport. Sure, they weren't the official rules, but, you know, and if you read Tyler Hamilton's book, you kind of get the impression that, you know, a lot of the guys were doing that type of behavior. And, um, you know, and, and I struggled with that. And why do I struggle with it? And why, why? I struggle with it because at the end of the day, 
these people were put up in a spotlight to, 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 that we all are meant to aspire to. They're held up, you know, if you think of what Lance Armstrong and what he represented before, you know, everything came out, he was held up as an example of human excellence and an example of a role model that thousands or millions of people around the world should aspire to. That these people who are, you know, held to this level are what our kids should look at and, you know, go, wow, I want to be like that person. And it's hard to, to, I find it really tough to condone that behaviour when you find out later on that these people, you know, lied and were dishonest and cheated and all those, all those you know, bad behaviours. That these people have been held up in our world is, is what we should all aim to be. And it's really fascinating. There's a great, great documentary I watched a few years ago, or an interesting documentary. I don't know if it's a great documentary or not. I enjoyed it. It was called um, Bigger, Faster, Stronger. Uh, bigger, stronger, faster, um, by a guy called Chris Bell, and uh, and he and he basically said that when I was in, and there was a very interesting discussion. It was he basically looks at the use of drugs in sport, and uh, but he kind of starts off with the idea that when he was a kid in the eighties, all was her, all of his heroes, the Hulk Hogan's of the world, the top sporting stars of the world, you know Sylvester Stallone, all these all these guys who he looked to and aspired to, you know his role models. They all said, you know, eat your veggies, train hard, look after yourself, do all these good behaviours. And if you do those things, you can be like them and you're going to be majorly successful in life. And as he goes in this documentary, he talks about how for him, as he grew older and older, he discovered, you know, that as time went on, a lot of these people got done for performance enhancing drugs. And the role models of his life, the people that he brought up, you know, he aspired to be like his whole life, they had one message. But actually behind the scenes, they were doing a completely different thing. And he then goes on in this documentary to explore the use of drugs in society and stuff. And it's definitely worth a watch. I think you can get it on YouTube. Um, check it out. Bigger, stronger, faster. And I think that's the thing I struggle with the most is, as a society, culturally, are we creating a world where our emphasis on you have to be a winner or the emphasis on, you know, what we put our emphasis on, is that creating people who have to behave in ways that are actually not that aspirational? And I have to admit, you know, the more, you know, since Lance's kind of come out, I did a little bit more reading and, and stuff on the world of drugs and sport and how things work, and I have to admit I am a lot more cynical about top sporting performances nowadays than what, than what I was in the past. And, and, and sadly, there's a, there's a great triathlete by the name of Chrissy Wellington. Chrissy Wellington is, um, was a freak. She was a freak of nature. She was the best triathlete, well, arguably the best triathlete, definitely arguably the best female triathlete, but maybe, you know, up there with the top five triathletes of all time in uh, long-distance triathlon, Ironman, who recently retired. And Chrissy, in her career... Um, just like for example she broke the world record for Ironman distance racing by over 20 minutes now if you watch a normal Iron distance race you know a record will be broken but it's going to be broken by a couple minutes to break it by 20 minutes is just absolutely phenomenal and Chrissy was just one of those once in a lifetime athletes who had the physicality and the genetics and also the work ethic you know, she had the combination of everything it took to make that once-in-a-lifetime athlete. Now, I've been very fortunate to deal with Chrissy over the years, and um, 
Chrissy is one of those people in life who has this big picture mentality. Like even before she started doing a sport, she was someone who was all her causes are about helping the world. All her, you know, if you if you spend a moment with Chrissy, you get a feeling and a, a sense of she has an aura of I'm here to achieve something bigger than just being an athlete. And I understand that through my sport, I have influence, and I'm going to use that to have a bigger impact on this world. So this year, Chrissy retired. And it was a real shock to the, well it wasn't a real shock because it kind of, people saw it coming, but it was a bit of a disappointment for our sport because Chrissy arguably could probably have another five to seven years as this freak of nature, you know, athlete who, at this stage at least, you couldn't see being beaten. Now when Chrissy retired, the question started to come up, is Chrissy on drugs? And uh, and while I am, I sit here today and I just think there's no possible way ever because I know the person and uh, well, well, I kind of partially know the person and uh, when you see what she's all about, it just it seems really unrealistic to look at her and think that way. But as I say that, when we live in a time where all these stars, these people who we have aspired to this moment, I can understand why that question has been put out there. And that, to me, is, is the sad state of where high-level sport is right now. High-level sport is in a place where, you know, the winner takes home all the all the rewards, and um, and the rewards are pretty massive now. And the rewards are, you know, it's 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 really, you know, a lot of people are looking to that next-level choice. You know, cheating basically in a day to find those rewards, and to me. It saddens me when I think about that stuff because for me, sport has so much great, great stuff to offer us in life. It has so much to offer us in, um, in esteem, in social, in development of self, in life experiences, in um, transferable skills. You know, like you know the stuff you learn from sport, you can take into other areas of your life. And when I think about this topic it makes me think who really should be your inspiration now it's not that I'm saying that I think every athlete out there is a drug cheat it's not that I think that's the case I, I guarantee they're not you know but there obviously is an aspect and, and and I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little bit higher than what a lot of us think um, you know and it's, it saddens me that I think that way but maybe it's time that we actually start to think about who really should be our inspirations in our world? And I know this has been a, a kind of long way to get to it, to the point I'm trying to hit to here right now, but today's show I want to talk about how do you become the inspiration in your world? How do you become the inspiration in your world? And why do I think this is an important subject to talk about? I used to say, I used to kind of, you know, when I do talks, I'd often say, you know, you look at Lance Armstrong, you look at Tiger Woods, you look at, you know, these you know these guys who have kind of been shown to be a bit flawed and uh, before I knew they were flawed. And, and I'd say, you know, they're inspirational, but they're not in our world. So while I would look at, you know, Lance Armstrong riding a bike, as much as I, I thought, wow, that's amazing, I also knew I was never going to do the Tour de France. So there was a little bit of inspiration happening there. But really... It wasn't, you know, it wasn't, well, I couldn't identify with it because it was just such an, it's another world. No one could look at Tiger Woods and go, well, not many people could look at Tiger Woods and go, yep, I can achieve that level. Tiger Woods watching him play golf might go, I'm going to give golf a try. But really, where does the best inspiration come from? 
And I've found, and this is one thing I've found really fascinating with my running businesses, is that often the best inspiration comes in your life when someone in your life has a shift in your life that you think is amazing. I say that again. Often the biggest inspiration comes in your life when someone in your life has a shift in their life that you find amazing. I'll give an example. We've, we've, you know, I've talked about my business a lot on the show and we've got our Get Up to Five group and our Get Up to Five group is the start off light jogging for 30 seconds, walking for three minutes. And by the end of eight weeks, you're running 5Ks. Now, as a small business, we don't have much of a marketing budget. You know, we're a really small business. We're kind of, you know, taking those steps forward. At the same time, we're finding we don't need a huge marketing budget because one of the reasons is, is because our people who achieve suddenly bring three or four people along the next time. And the reason that happens is, is that their workmates, when they sign up, actually we had a seminar the other day, it's a good example, one of the ladies at the seminar said when she when she signed up, she told her workmates that they were doing it, and they kind of gave her a bit of a hard time. And, uh, you, know, oh, you know, it's just like joining the gym, lots of people join the gym and they never actually do anything with it. And, and this lady joined, and at first they were kind of, you know, kind of in a fun way, mocking her a little bit, but not being mean about it, but just, you know, kind of, oh, we'll see how you go. And as the weeks progressed, they became more and more fascinated with her experience and the growth that she was having. And they were fascinated to watch this growth and to the point where by the end of it, they were really supportive of her. And suddenly, those people are now starting to talk about joining the next group. And to me, as I learn, you know, how our culture is putting this emphasis on some things that maybe are unrealistic for the, for most people, which leads to behaviours that are kind of kind of horrible and not, not something that I'd want to aspire to, Maybe we want to shift back to being inspired by the people in our lives. The real people, the people you can identify with, that, that identify with you, who are kind of like you, who sometimes want to grow a little bit and, you know, be a better version of yourself, you know, they're saying, I always kind of pull out my butt. What I find really interesting is that you know, as, as much as I look at Lance Armstrong, I go, wow, that's, you know, it's phenomenal. And it might make me get on my bike or, or look at doing cycling. Let's say you've got someone in your life who you work with, and, and they're kind of similar to you, maybe similar family situations, similar work hours and, and all the rest of it. And suddenly they do start signing up for a running group. Or they join, you know, they say they're going to, you know, go on this, this race, this cycle race, or they're going to, I don't know, do something. They're going to do a dance class. Or they may even say, I'm going to have a career shift. Or I'm going to do something that deep down in yourself, you know that you kind of desire to do something similar. So if we think back to my lady who was talking about the seminar, she was saying, you know, when she first signed up, the people kind of were kind of mockingly in a fun way, giving her a hard time. But I think deep down, they probably wanted to, to have the balls to do it themselves. You know, I often talk on my drug experience, and I know when I gave up drugs that all the guys I gave up, you know, I was, you know, when I gave up drugs, all the guys I surrounded myself with on an individual level came up to me at one time or another and said, oh, mate, I'd actually love to be able to do what you're doing. And often when those people in our lives decide to create change that, that we may know within ourselves we want to do, it makes us reflect. It makes us think about our own behaviours. Now, some people were threatened by that. Some people were suddenly, you know, like... 
it was interesting. She, I was talking to her, I was listening to a show the other day with an alcoholic on it, and he was saying how you know he actually doesn't have some people. He has some people in his life who isn't aren't very supportive of him giving up alcohol, and that when he goes out with them, they're always giving him a hard time to drink, and it, you know it makes him really it makes him really hard for him not to drink. And at the end of the day, the reason they're probably doing that is the fact that he's moving forward and shifting away from behaviour that he knows is really bad for him makes them have to confront in themselves some stuff they know that they may, to, they may need to do as well. And so in their situation, because of their insecurity and their own facing their own fears and they're afraid of it, they try to bring him back to their world, which justifies their own behaviour. But when you are around those people who suddenly, you know, just do something. I had, a, I had a girl come up to me the other day at the gym saying she's quit a job and she's going to go study next year because, you know, she's realised she doesn't like her career. And, you know, I like my career, but even that moment just made me go, wow, it's pretty awesome. And it did make me reflect on my own life. To me, that's real inspiration. When the people around you make behaviours or decisions that make you reflect on your own life that may even lead to creating shifts in your own life. So then, how do you become the inspiration in other people's lives? How do you become the person who, just by living your life well, not about preaching, like I'm, I'm you know, as much as I put podcasts and content out there, I don't think it's about you saying, hey, here's how I live, and you need to be like me. It's just almost that you show that you're trying to progress forward, that suddenly it creates reflection in other people's lives, which may lead to them moving forward as well. So how do you become the inspiration? I think the first thing to, to recognise when, you know, there's, well, there's, I don't know if I have a perfect answer for that question, but I'm going to chuck a few things out there. And I think the first thing is is to go back, you know, obviously listen to some of, some of my older shows and, and go back and kind of try to set a goal, you know, think about the change you want to create and then thinking about how you set up that change in a way that is successful. So, you know, you need to you need to actually kind of sign up for the group. You kind of need to make sure you, you start to look at a different career. You've got to make, you know, you've got to get the ball rolling, first of all. And you've got to be the person who actually is brave enough to take that step. You know, the person who actually takes a step forward towards their growth, even when it's scary. And, and you know, I'm always going to talk about we'll make that step a realistic step that will help you so you can progress forward. But for now, look at your life right now and, and look at the area that you know deep down would be a brave step towards moving towards the ultimate life that you want. One of my brave steps in my life was stopping Ironman. You know, I had this thing that I was really secure in and I was quite comfortable in and I got a lot of esteem from, but actually my brave step was to pull away from that. To pull away from the area of my life that made me feel great about myself because ultimately I knew I was starting to stop growing. And I knew there was more things in my life that I wanted to do. And it was a scary step. I've, you know, obviously, I made that choice. And, and looking back, it was probably the best decision of my life. And it's nothing against Ironman. I loved Ironman. I loved what it gave to my life. But that tough moment, I made a brave decision. And I think within all of us, there are those things that deep down, we know we want to move towards. And it's really scary. And so I suppose the first point in, in, you know, how do you become an inspiration is be brave and take the step towards the life that you know is good for you. 
Second thing I think to do is, just do, well, there's lots of things, but, you know, create a plan, get surround yourself with amazing people who are going to support you, create, you know, create that plan around a realistic steps. So I'm not going to go into all that kind of stuff, but I think what will happen is then start to move towards the choices you're making. And I, and I think what happens is once you start to become an inspiration, let's go back to again, the lady at the seminar. The week one, they were kind of like mockingly kind of giving her a bit of fun, hard time. About three or four weeks into it, their interest would have still been really strong. And what she would have noticed is she, well, maybe she did, maybe she didn't, is actually she starts to become a bit of an influence on those around her. So instead of kind of, you know, let's say week one, you know, I'm going to do this get up to five thing and, um, you know, I'm really nervous about it. Everything, oh, well, let's see how you go with that. About three or four weeks into it, you'll notice that those those people who are, a little bit sceptical because, you know, they have probably failed in the past and, and, you know, you may have failed yourself in the past. Those people will start asking different kind of questions. Those kind of people are going to start going, so how does it work? You know, how, you know, how, how can you go from running 30 seconds and now you're running seven minutes? Like, how are you making that work? They'll be curious around the experience that you're having. And that's when you start to see that you're actually becoming an influence on the other people. So if we think back to, first of all, Suddenly when you sign up, you're going to make them reflect. But as you keep progressing, they're going to reflect more and more, and they're going to become more and more interested in the experience that you are having. Because they, what they're doing is they're testing the water to see if they too could have that experience and be successful on that path. To acknowledge that you have influence is a very, very powerful thing. You know, it's that whole, what is it, Spider-Man, you know, with greater power becomes a greater responsibility. And, um, you know, I know for myself, for a long time, I probably had influence and I didn't realise I did. And then probably in the last, you know, five to six years of my life, I've understood the influence I have. And, and I've tried to use it in really great ways. I've tried to help people grow and, you know, do really cool things with my influence and, um, you know, and keep growing myself. But I think if you can start to understand that you have influence then you can ask those types of questions of yourself. Okay, well, I can, I've got influence. These people are coming to me asking questions, and obviously in their own mind, my growth is planting a seed of possibility. And they are looking to me in some way, shape, or form to help them move towards it. So once I understand I have influence, how can I be really powerful for that influence and help them move towards their own growth? Such a, such a great question to have to explore in life. You know, that you're, you're, you've been brave and you've taken that risk and you're, you know, and you're growing, you're having all this wicked experience within yourself because you've taken those risks and you know, you're going to get all this esteem and you're going to feel really great about the choices you've made. But then suddenly you start to see that almost like a tide of, tide of influence over people, you're opening up other people's minds to what they can be. And I don't know if I have the answer for what you are going to do with that influence and how you use that influence, but once you can understand you have influence, then you can maybe even you know open up their doors even more with that influence. Another thing I think that's really, really important is to be honest about your experience. You know, and I think that's one of the downfalls of the of the elite kind of what's happening with the Lance Armstrongs of the world is that just because you're great at one thing in life, and particularly with sporting stars and movie stars and, and, you know, these people who get put in front of us in the world is, you know, I've met plenty of athletes who are amazing athletes. They're, they're amazing, amazing, just freak of nature people. 
but they're not great at everything. They're not perfect at everything they do. You know, it's they're just really great at one thing. But so for some reason in society, we have this thing where if someone's good at one thing, they must just be great at everything. And there are, probably are people out there who are kind of like that. But often that, that perception we put, that label we put on, that kind of perception we put on people, we carry it over to all other areas of their life. And that then creates pressure, which no one can, you know, they can't front up to. So then they start having to kind of hide things away from everyone else because they don't want to look perceived, be perceived as weak. And I think one of the best things you can do to, to dissolve that is just to be honest about your experience. Be honest about what you are. Don't, don't pretend you're something you're not. You know, when you're having a hard time, let the people around you know, you know, as much as you might be an inspiration, you might have influence, also let them know that this isn't easy at times. I'm really struggling today. But here's what I'm doing to get through this. I, I, I really, really fundamentally believe that honesty is such an important part of, of um, growth and, and, and um, of self. And, and I think that if you can have be honest around your experience within this, then you actually have more of an influence on others, people around you, because then you allow them to be honest as well around the experience that they are having. You allow them to be who they really are. That to me is, is really inspirational. Funny, we have a, we have a coach on our coaching team, and, and he came along to one of our seminars we had for the final group for one of our running groups a few weeks ago. And um, and this guy's a really cool guy and, and really great, and you know everyone loves him as a coach. And it was you know we at the end of the session we kind of say, well, you know, what did you get from this? And everyone has their moment in the sun, and we all kind of cheer each other along. And it's it's really lovely. And uh, this coach, you know, as the coaches, we kind of say what we what we gain from it as well. And um, this coach said, you guys allow me to be myself. You guys allow me to be myself. And because within these groups of people, he gets to share the honest emotions of what they're going through. He, he's there in the hard moments. He's there in the great moments. He's here in the, the fun moments. He's here in all these different emotional experiences that he's allowed himself to, to you know, obviously drop down some of the the barriers he's had in his life around how to behave in certain environments. And by them being honest about their experience to him, because they trust him as a coach, he's allowed to be himself. And I think when it comes to being an inspiration to other people in the world, by you showing that you're willing to be yourself also opens up them to exploring what that is within themselves. So so honesty is, is a really important part of you becoming an inspiration. And again, that goes to the good and the bad. I think the last thing I'll talk about when it comes to you becoming the inspiration is um, the idea of you being a support and appraiser of the person you're inspiring. You know, like you know, if you've taken if you've taken that brave step towards you going in the direction that you know you want to go in, you know how hard it is. You know how you know as much as you know. Sometimes we just have to make change in life, or or you know how. You know, this is how much of a big decision that was for you. You know how hard it was to make that choice. You know what? I'm going to take a risk. And I'm going to do something that I've always been afraid of doing. But bugger it, now's the time. And you know how hard it is to turn that switch on. And as you understand that you become an inspiration and, and an influence on other people around you, 
And again, with great power comes great responsibility. God, I love Spider-Man, obviously. Um, With that, you then can encourage others to, to do that. So by week four, let's say we'll go back to my lady at the seminar, by week four, when those people were kind of, you know, when you start to ask questions, they're more just, you know, oh, you're going to get there, as like, how are you doing this? They're almost opening a door for you to say, I'm here to support you through this as well. And I'm going to look to praise you through this and guide you through this and, and do as best as I can to show you that you can be that person as well. You know, looking for those opportunities to say, you know what? I think you can try this too, and here's how. And and then if they are brave like you and they take that kind of risk to go towards that place where they've always wanted to go but they don't go, then praise them. Tell them that you think they're doing great. And, and I'll give a tip on praise. Praise, you know, it's one thing to say I'm, you're doing great, but it's another thing to say, wow, I'm really noticing that you're not missing any sessions, and I know that's a real wicked achievement. You know, they talk about praise and um, praise is can be a really powerful tool but it can also be a really non-effective tool because often we just say you know well done for you know well done what does that mean but if you can actually praise the behavior that you see in others it can be a really effective tool wow i'm amazed at the effort you're putting into this wow i'm amazed that you know you're being so consistent in this if you can understand how to, to be the support person for those that you have influence on and then to use the power of praise and recognition and those little wins, if you can do that, praise is such an important, I'm going on a tangent here, praise is such an important thing in life. I'm going to share a quick experience. Years ago I did, a, I did an Ironman and I had a really good race. I, um, I managed to win my age group at Ironman New Zealand and, and, I, and it was kind of one of those days, like as an athlete you're going to get great days, average days and really bad days and majority of the time you're kind of sitting in the average day, occasionally you have a bad one and, and sometimes you have a great day and that's just where everything you do just goes together perfectly and I had this great day, I won my age group and I felt really, I felt good about myself, I can't deny it, I felt great and uh, a few weeks later I went to the swimming pool and a guy called Scott Molina who um, in the triathlon world is one of the greatest athletes of all time and luckily he lives locally to me and he's, he's just really cool like one of the nicest people you'll ever meet um, relaxed, um, cool he's just got this really calm state about him uh, but also a legendary athlete and I went to the swimming pool and I think we both swam that day and we are just in the changing room having a bit of a chat and you've got to remember, I'm already feeling pretty good about myself I achieved this big goal that I worked really hard to achieve and uh, you know it was, it was pretty cool and Scott came up to me at the pool and he said to me, Bev, I watched your race last week, couple weeks ago and, uh, mate, the way you ran that run was absolutely phenomenal. You just had such a great race. You probably had one of the top 10 runs out of all the field, including the pros. Now, at this stage, I was still an age grouper and, uh, and he said, you know, you, you, you just had such a smart race. You ran really clever. You finished off nice and strong and you just looked great all day. Now, can you imagine what I felt like in that moment? That this guy who is recognized as one of the greatest triathletes of all time was willing enough to just stop and give me some praise and on why I'd done a good job. Like, I already felt good about myself, but in that moment, I felt 10 times better and that praise helped to open up my possibility of me even getting better. Now, it wasn't that I was about to give up Iron Man, but in that moment, Scott's praise opened up my mind to a version of myself that maybe I hadn't seen at that moment. Now I think if you talk to Scott right now, you know, right now, he wouldn't remember that conversation. But he's just that kind of person who probably understands he has an amazing influence 
and he uses praise to help others develop the belief in themselves. And when you think about you, when you want to be, you know, as you start to become the, you know, the inspiration in other people's lives, it's such a powerful tool to notice when people are doing good and to, to be there to support them through their own growth. And you notice that as the more you do that, you're helping them go down their path to becoming, you know, better at the growth that they want. I think I'm going to kind of wrap it up there because I could waffle on for hours about this one and you're probably getting sick of me. So, But I think one thing, I'm going to share a theory with you and it's a, it's a kind of a bullcrap theory that I made up years ago, but you guys have probably heard of the six degrees of separation. Six degrees of separation says that um, within six links, you can connect with anybody in the world. And uh, so, for example, um, you know, like if I went Brad Pitt, within six links, could I connect to Brad Pitt? And, and I'd say, well, I once did an acting course with this lady called Hillary, and Hillary had worked with um, Peter Jackson, and then from there I could probably get to Brad Pitt pretty quickly. So within three connections, I can get to Brad Pitt pretty quickly. And uh, and, I, and I know this is this kind of silly theory, but it's kind of one of the theories I live with, and it's that I really do believe that the inspiration, the best inspiration in life comes from those around us. And that if I can be the best version of myself and that makes you reflect on your life and not me, not me preaching to you that you have to do things your way, but just, you know, but me kind of living my life in a way that's good for me, that if you were to kind of stop and go, wow, maybe I could do some of this stuff and then you take action towards that, then you start to have that same influence on your world. And in theory, if, if we're all kind of doing that with the six degrees of separation, we kind of, we are making a difference on the world can like it or hate it I don't know it's just the theory I live by but it's kind of kind of sits with me quite well we live in a world in a time where I don't know if I want to bring my kids up to aspire to be something that's based on things that maybe aren't so important they're being the winner but being the winner because you compromise what's really important in life I don't know if that's what I want my kids to aspire to be. I want my kids to aspire, with the, you know, the kids in the world to aspire to be people who are, want to have amazing life experiences, who want to use sport as a way and, and exercise as a way to grow themselves, to make better versions of themselves, who want to, you know, challenge themselves, who want to have to meet friends who, who are happy in themselves because they use exercise as a way to, to make themselves feel good about themselves. I want to, I want to live in a world like that. And to me, that world happens by people around me every day. That there's people in my life right now who, who inspire me, who make me reflect on myself, who make me go, you know what, I need to move more towards this. You know what, as I say this, I was on Facebook today, as a guy I used to do a, a milk run with when I was like 13 years old, a guy called Edward LeGrice. And I, I haven't seen him in years, and I just thought, oh, I'll see what he's up to. And he's out there, he's doing these trail runs, these beautiful, crazy trail runs. He was always a good runner, and he's a fast marathon runner. And I looked at him, I go, wow, I need to be doing some more of that stuff in my life. And Edward is just living the life that he loves. But he's, he, he wouldn't even know, I haven't told him this, but just by him doing that, he's inspiring me. And I'm sure next year I'll end up doing some of that stuff just because of that moment of looking at Edward's life and going, wow, he's doing what's kind of cool for him. And I know that that's kind of what I want in my life as well. Think about you becoming the inspiration. Be brave, take the risk, make a plan, get people around you. Understand with that that you will gain some influence. Think about how you're going to use that influence. Think about how you can support and praise others towards your own growth. 
and who knows maybe they'll end up inspiring other people around them as well it's kind of cool stuff and ultimately it leads to us all being that better version of ourselves Right, I team, uh, hopefully this was an okay show. Sometimes I wonder, sometimes I wonder about myself, a uh, strange character that I am. Hopefully that kind of worked for you. Um, again, I kind of didn't prep that well for that show, so hopefully it worked. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Let me know what you think. Um, you can do that on um, bevanjames at gmail.com or maybe even go on my Facebook wall and write something on there or just let me know what you think. I'm, I'm curious to see what you guys think. I just think one thing on that front is, um, <laughs> I don't want to waffle on too much longer, but... What I find really interesting is that often people get a lot of recognition in an area that they're very comfortable in, and um, and it's kind of like my Ironman experience, but you see it in the fitness industry, fitness industry people get a lot of credit because they're good at something that most people kind of suck at, but actually these people are very comfortable in exercise, and some of them need to take risks outside of an area that they're really comfortable in and I think for a lot of us it might be the career you know you you look so good to your outside world and your career but you know it's just comfortable and and you're actually not being that brave and you're not taking steps towards a life that you know is the ultimate life for you and uh, maybe as you think about that um, maybe you know that's where you could be an inspiration to your world I had a guy um, a friend of mine who was a bank manager and he went from working 60 hours a week to, to being stripped on and working 40 hours a week. And he found he's actually been a lot more effective because he, he just realized he didn't really like his life that much because he was working so much. And he thought, well, bugger this. I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to be really stripped on working 40 hours a week. And I'm going to get into some exercise and I'm going to get back to my family. And I'm going to have more balance in my life. I'm going to do all this other stuff. And what was really fascinating was he worked you know, a third less time and ended up getting the bank manager of the year for his bank. I think for the whole nation, I'm not 100% sure on that, I think for the whole nation. So he worked less, he was brave enough to identify what was happening, and then he went on and made massive change in his life, was more effective at his work. Now I'm sure people within his world are reflecting, looking at what he's doing and going, wow, can I do that too? And before that time, people would look and go, wow, he's doing really well, but he was brave enough to stop and think, I'm strong in this area, but ultimately it's not taking me where I want to go. So... Just something else to add there. I will do a workbook for this week's, this month's show. I'll um, put it on the net. I probably won't get up to after Christmas, uh, to be honest. I've got a few days away this week, so I'm not sure if I'll be able to get it up. Probably until the new year. So if you are thinking about getting the workbook for this show, it will be up in the new year. Um, I've got a couple quick emails to talk to, and then uh, we'll get on and you go on and have the rest of your day. I've got a first email here, and it's from Jules Briggs, and uh, she's uh, or Julia, or Jules, if you want to call her Jules, and she uh, lives in Suffolk, England, and uh, she's just recently found the podcast, and she's absolutely loving it, which is kind of cool. She's a she's a nurse, and um, she's kind of had a tough few years, and uh, she's kind of rebuilt her life, and she's doing really well, which is really great, but one of the things with her job is she basically she goes, I love my job, but I work shifts, night, days, weekends, eating 13-hour um, shifts with one-hour breaks, so that's really hard work. Really reeks havoc on trying to have enough sleep eating well and regular regularly it's wearing me down but i don't want to quit and i th- and think that is more than i can be she's basically saying that she then goes on she's got she's looking for some coping strategies in place she's got a new sport she's doing roller derby which i was absolutely loving that's kind of a crazy sport to be doing she skates for fun she loves the gym she walks the dog stretching playing yoga at home and she likes playing the xbox connect as well so it's a way to keep kind of moving when you're at home 
at the moment there's no real plan or set goals with your podcast is really helping me to establish so um so advice for people doing shift work now i think this must be one of the hardest lives you can leave lead because we are we are creatures of habit and you know that if we can we kind of get that habit in our life we, we have a much better chance of being successful there's a really good book to read actually um let me pull it up here i think it's called the power of habit um i'm gonna have to pull it up here as i'm talking away basically in audiobooks i'm just pulling up all my audiobooks yes i'm not very really, very good podcasting right now is it um yeah, but it's called The Power of Habits. And uh, and it really talks about how how habits affect our lives. And it's, it's a pretty good read, actually. You probably want to check it out. I think it's really tough for you, um, Jules. I think you're in a very tough situation because it's you've got times and shifts which don't help. And then you've got long working hours as well. And I, I suppose I'm no expert on this topic, so I'm just going to give some quick advice and maybe that can help. But I think the thing is you've got to try to figure out some systems in your life that help to take away the routine or the decisions when you know you're going to be tired. So um, as you think about your week, I don't know if you're much of a planner, but when I do coaching, often with my clients, you get them to do planning and it just suddenly their life becomes easier. And if you could sit down at the beginning of each week, maybe have a Sunday meeting with yourself and, and really look at the week in front of you and you acknowledge that, okay, well, first of all, I'm working late night that night, which means I know I'm going to be pretty tired that day as I wake up which when I look to my history it also means that I tend to eat worse when I'm tired and, and you know because I'm running out of energy so as you know that then you could go well maybe the night before I go to work what I need to do is have all my food prepared I need to get all the odd jobs done so that I allow myself some more sleep and you, know, so you kind of see what I'm saying here so that you're kind of looking at your week as a whole and you're looking at the times when you had to have better energy to put some systems in place that allow you to, you know, be able to make easier, better decisions when you know you're going to be tired. If you're doing 13-hour work, you're always going to be tired. And you're going to come home from that moment and be vulnerable to bad decisions. And if you can pre-prepare for that moment and have... You know, you walk in and there's already a healthy snack to eat right there. You might even have an alarm on your phone that says go to bed now. So that, you know, it lets you know that to not just sit in front of the TV and it's kill two hours in front of the TV. You know, that if you can really manage your energy better, you'll probably have a much better chance of, of making things work in this world. Because to be honest, the cards are stacked against you. This is a very, very tough situation and, uh, and it's one that I'm sure a lot of people in your world struggle with. I suppose the only other thing that I would advise is maybe talk to some people who you, who have done it for a long time and they may not have mastered it, but they probably each person would have a couple tips that really work for them. But I think as an overall, you know, a weekly meeting where you actually look at your week, you look at your working hours and you look at pre-planning stuff that will make it easier to make better decisions when you know you're going to be tired would be a really, really good strategy to go forward. The last email I'm going to read out um, this month is by a guy called Brian Lafur. Now, I think I've talked about Brian on Fitness Behaviour before, but Brian and his wife decided they were going to walk, I don't know, a, a crazy, crazy trail where they were going to walk for basically like six months of their life on this crazy, massive trail across America. And um, just just an epic adventure, life adventure that, you know, it's the, it was the Pacific Crest Trail. Um, and... He sent me an update on it, and I thought I'd read it out to you guys, because to me, what Brian and his wife did was a pretty 
one of those things that I think deep down a lot of us would like to do in life and, and you know, today's show is being a little bit about being brave and obviously Brian and his wife took that that opportunity. So I, I'll read it out to you. Um, hey Bev, at first I was going to make the subject quick update but I seriously doubt if it's going to be quick. This is the start of his email. I wrote to you a few times in this past summer as I was listening to both Fitness Behaviour Podcasts and I Am Talk Podcasts as I was hiking the Pacific Crest Trail with my wife. It's been crazy how the brain works, but I can think of a particular episode of Fitness Behaviour or I Am Talk and exactly remember, remember exactly where I was on the trail, the time of day, the weather, the trail, how I felt, everything, powerful stuff. You mentioned I should email you when I all was said and done and give you an update on how it went. I'm actually struggling to identify my overall feelings about it. It was undoubtedly the most incredible experience of my life more meaningful and memorable than anything else I have achieved. But that being said, we didn't finish the trail. Due to a recurring bout of tendonitis in my wife's foot, we took too much time off hiking and just rested, hoping her foot would heal. We got off the trail after a little over 3,000 kilometres of hiking. About a third of the trail left. We simply got too far behind and kind of lost hope of finishing within the window of time before there would be too much snow in northern Washington state. It was an incredible difficult decision to stop, turn around and hike out to the nearest town to start making our way home. There was a lot of disappointment in giving up. When I think of the experience we shared together and with our new extended family of fellow hikers, it's unlike anything imaginable. To be out in desolation wilderness for days and days at a time, you develop an appreciation for how small we are and how much we depend on each other and on the conveniences of society. It makes life as small, more uncomfortable, but a hell of a lot more meaningful. When I wasn't cruising the terrain, the weather, or my aches and pains, I was in absolute euphoria. Like anything, after a while, it just becomes life, and you just wake up and think, Okay, I have to walk 25 to 20, 20 to 25 miles today. Where are we going to have lunch? Where are we going to take, get water? How much altitude do we have to gain or lose? It just becomes about walking and getting in the miles. You never stop appreciating where you are and what you are doing, but it just starts to become normal. Every now and again you stop and sit and just stare at the beauty in which you are immersed in and you truly appreciate what you are doing, how you are living and what you are learning about yourself, others and the natural world. It's the type of thing that may have been a once-in-a-lifetime sort of thing, but it's something that I wouldn't change for anything. I still get chills when I think of certain experiences, and I wouldn't trade them for anything. I have a lifetime worth of memories from this experience. And as weird as it may seem to you, oh, he then goes on to say that you know we were a part of this experience with him, um, and so thanks for putting it there, Brian. You know, you know, it's an appropriate read, email to read at the end of today's show. You know, Brian. You know, your your wife and yourself. Um, I'm pretty sure that you guys would be a big influence and a big um, inspiration to those people in your world right now. And I know as I read this right now, I, I kind of got, you know, the kind of the goosebumps uh, reading your words. And you know, Brian and his wife obviously decided to make that brave choice. And uh, yeah, uh, well done, guys, because it's a pretty amazing thing. And and the fact that we got to be a part of your experience is pretty cool. So. Uh, yeah, thanks. That's uh, pretty much this month's show. Um, I'll see you next month. Next month, hopefully I've got a really great show for you guys because uh, addiction is 
is, is you know, a big problem for a lot of people out there and food addiction in particular is what we're going to be touching on. So um, look out for next month's show. You guys have a wonderful Christmas. Have a, have a really great Christmas and New Year's. And once again, thank you for all your support throughout 2012. Um, it's It's been phenomenal and uh, keep spreading the word. You know, hopefully I'm kind of having some kind of influence in a good way myself. Anyway, have a great month. See you soon.